Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things that have come up in your Bible reading. If you have any questions, maybe you're confused about something or we just like to discuss something, or maybe there's something going on in your life that you'd like to know what the Bible says about it or get some pastoral advice, this is the show for you. You can call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Again, that's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to have you call in. We'd love to pray for you. Just so many people listening right now. Uh, who would be able to say amen with us and join us in prayer. So it's a very powerful thing. We'd love to hear from you. I want to say welcome to all of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming here on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. And we also want to say hi to everybody listening on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And also to those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. It's great to see how God is using this show and how uh, we're being syndicated in more and more areas and more and more people joining the uh, the Calvary Live family. Uh, just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So you're, those of you here in Colorado and Wyoming, you're hearing the show live, but uh, over on the East Coast in Tennessee, you're hearing on one-week delay. So just a reminder for you guys that uh, we'd love to have you call in and then you get to ask your question, whatever it is, and then you get to tune in the following week and you get to listen to yourself on the radio. Uh, we also just want to say hello to everyone who's listening online. So many people tuning in via the mobile app. If you don't have that, you should go get it. Just go to your mobile app store, type in Grace FM, it'll come right up, and then you can listen wherever you're at on your phone or on the go over the internet through that app. Or if you're at a computer or you have a computer nearby, just dial up um, gracefm.com in your web browser and you can listen right there in the browser. The number to call again 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897 again 720-336-0897 we'd love to talk with you and answer your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life or if you have a prayer request we'd love to pray for you so give us a call or text us. Just a few words about myself. I am Nick Cady, and I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church here in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, we love Jesus, and we love to study God's Word. And so we gather on Sunday mornings in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. We're right on the northwest corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, and we're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. 
And so if you'd like more information or if you'd like to come visit us, we'd love to have you. Uh, this Sunday would be a great time to visit us. Uh, we are having Pastor Ed Taylor from Calvary Aurora. He'll be coming up and speaking. So if you live in the area, we would love to have you come out and hear Pastor Ed. He's got a special message for us, I believe, from 1 Samuel chapter 17 called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And, uh, you know, this is the first time when we've had a guest speaker and they sent us a shopping list. So Ed actually sent us some things that he needed us to go buy from the store. So we ran around to a couple different stores this week to pick up those items. I guess he wants to send home a souvenir with everybody who comes, a special thing to remember the message by to kind of drive it home and keep it fresh in our minds. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, believe it'll be well received and that God will use it. So if you'd like to join us this Sunday, if you are in Longmont or in any of the surrounding towns, with Berthoud, Mead, Firestone, Frederick, Decono, um, Erie, Lafayette, Niwot, Lyons, if you're in any of those areas, we would love for you to come and visit us. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can find more information there, directions, listen to old messages, all that great stuff. And uh, we'd love for you to join us if you're in the area. You can also hear me every weekday on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. Um, we have a show that airs, our church does. It's called Life in the Field, and those are my Sunday messages cut for the radio. So it's called Life in the Field, like as in uh, living our lives in God's mission field. And that is 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time here on Grace FM and also Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, another cool thing going on uh, while we wait for calls to roll in, um, is that there is, down at Calvary Aurora, there's going to be an inductive Bible study seminar. It's like an all-day seminar on a Saturday. It's September 8th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you got to register for it, but um, it's going to be really, really great. Just about, let's see, about a month ago now, uh, we organized a thing which we talked about here on the show called the Expositors Collective, which was also hosted at Calvary Aurora, but that was limited to younger people, and, and really our focus was on pouring into the next generation of um, expository Bible teachers and preachers, and so we did that. But you know, this is a cool event because that so that was a two-day event, and it was limited by age. So we we only took people up to age 34. But the cool thing is, if you couldn't get into that because it was too long, or or because you didn't meet the age requirements. Maybe this is for you because this inductive Bible study seminar is going to be for anybody who wants to come, any age, and it's one day from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on September 8th. If you want more information, go to calvaryaurora.org slash learn. So calvaryaurora.org slash learn, and you can find more information about that. Let's go ahead and uh, tell you what those numbers are again so you can call in. The number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. I host the show usually on Mondays, but today I'm filling in for Pastor Ed. He is on his way back from Europe. He was just over there ministering to some of the missionaries who uh, serve in Western Europe at the conference center in Austria. And uh, one of my favorite places in the world. So I was super jealous that he got to go and, and see all my old friends and be part of that place over there. So they have this castle over in Austria that was purchased around 30 years ago. And uh, and it's just been a center for missions and outreach. And so many missionaries have gone through. They used to have a Bible college there, which then moved to Hungary. 
And, uh, and so when I was a missionary over in Hungary for 10 years, sometimes we would go to Austria. Um, they split us up after a while. We had the Eastern European Conference uh, for a while after that. But uh, really great uh, ministry going on in Europe through Calvary Chapel. And uh, really great that Pastor Ed got to be over there and encourage some of those missionaries. So I'm filling in for him today. Usually I'm in on, on, on Mondays, but this week I'm on one extra time. So uh, a few devotional thoughts. Well, first, let's go to Peter in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. Um, so I had kind of a prayer request, and then just wanted some advice as well. Okay. Um, sure. So, so I grew up in the church, going uh, to church with my parents and my family. Um, we went to, like, a pretty charismatic church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... When I was about 18, my parents stopped going to the church or just stopped going to church altogether because they'd mm-hmm. been hurt by, um, just like my, my dad got sick and all, their whole thing was kind of like, you know, if you had enough faith that you, he'd be healed. Uh-huh. Um, and he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't healed miraculously. He did end up recovering with doctors and things like that. And then mm-hmm. um, just some other things like that. And then my mom just said she had a lot of anxiety with going to church. So it's been like about a decade since they've been actively going to church. Um, so at this point, I'm the only one in my family, uh, with my family now, that goes to church mm-hmm. um, out of all my siblings and my parents. So I feel frustrated that my parents left the church, I guess, and just wanted maybe some advice on how to approach my dad about that um and then maybe some prayer as well yeah it sounds like a big part of this is that your parents are kind of i guess i would put them in the category of almost victims of bad theology and that that's part of the reason why they're having trouble going to church because what i'm hearing from you is it doesn't sound like they've lost their faith they have just kind of lost their faith in the church is that accurate yeah okay you know, that's really not uncommon. And actually, it's it's more and more common in the United States that more and more people in surveys, they're showing that it isn't that people believe in God less. It's that they believe in the church less. And that is a terrible shame, I have to tell you, uh, especially because if you consider what the Bible says, um, it shows us that Jesus absolutely loves the church. So that'll be that'll be one of the things that I want to encourage you to share with your dad. And I'll kind of walk you through that in just a second. But I wanted to ask one more question. Do you still go to that same church? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So, um, here's how I would approach your parents. I I would do two things. One, I would really try to separate, well, I guess I would do three things. I would separate that church from Christianity and from other churches. And secondly, I would, um, address the theology, which was behind the hurt. And then the third thing I would do is really appeal to what the Bible says about the importance of the church. And so uh, I guess let's walk through those. So I guess the first one would be um, really try to separate that church from from other churches and, and the pain that they endured. I'm sure they know this in theory, that people are flawed and uh, and things like that. But just really impress that point on them that, hey, you know, this church failed. It's made up of um, flawed people. And as are all churches, and probably if you spend enough time in any church, you're going to be hurt by somebody. And that's difficult, but I would say this, that it is absolutely worth it. And um, 
there's this great quote by C.S. Lewis, and I'm going to try and look it up, but I'll just kind of paraphrase it. Basically what he says is, you know, what happens is that we're so afraid of getting hurt that we kind of try to insulate ourselves, right? Like, so we try to say, well, I don't want to have any close relationships, or I'm not going to make myself vulnerable, and that way I won't get hurt again. And what he says is that, he says, yeah, you can do that. You can take your heart and you can put it in a little box and lock it and store it away so that you'll so that nobody can hurt it, not even an animal. Like you won't even love pets. You know, that's what he says. But he says, but if you do that, then you, you your heart will wither and die and you will suffer as a result. One, one way I've put this is like, I remember before, so I had, I ended up having kids, you know, before a lot of my friends who were my same age. I, I wasn't that young. I mean, I was like, I think 23 when my first kid was born, but a lot of my friends weren't that young. And, you know, they were always like, wow, you know, how, how can you have that, you know, how can you have that huge responsibility at this age? And it was one of those things where I, I began to feel that some people avoid relationships or they avoid risk in relationships because they're afraid of getting hurt or failing but when you do that here, you think about it like if you've ever done like an EQ, you know, if you've ever done sound, right? So you, yeah. you've got your top level and your bottom level. And so if you think about it in terms of like, you know, the max that you allow the, the sound wave to go, right? It can go high, but it can also go low. And so you do take a risk whenever you open yourself up to relationships and love. You, you open yourself up to the, the low lows, right? The more you open yourself up, the lower the low can go. But also, the higher the high can go. And so the question we have to ask is, clearly, there's a risk in relationships and, and in this in church, too. But is it worth it? And I, I would really appeal to him that it is worth it. And so the second thing I would say is the theology needs to be addressed. Um, it sounds like you already understand this, but that theology that says, hey, it's all up to you. Do you have enough faith? If you have enough faith, then you'll be healed and you'll be prosperous and all these things. That is um, not just a bad habit. That is a false gospel because it's putting the, uh, the emphasis on us and our, um, you know, our part in it. It's taking away from God's sovereignty and it's taking away from God's providence in a way. And what it does is it teaches us to either be motivated by guilt and shame or by pride. Right. Like so when we're doing well, we feel awesome because the reason I'm doing well is because I have so much faith or I'm I've I've performed well. And when we're not doing well or like we get sick, then it's all on us. Like, oh, you're lacking this or, or God must you must have something in your life. I mean, it's really like classic book of Job stuff. Like this is what the book of Job deals with. Job is saying on the one hand this shouldn't be happening to me because I'm a good person. And his friends are saying, well, since this is happening to you, you must not be a good person. And then God shows up and says, hey, 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 that's not how this works at all. And so I was just really appealed to him on that level that he, they, if they can find a church, and they are out there, where grace is championed, right? And, and, and that's the thing that people focus on. They take the focus off of themselves and put it on Jesus man, it, it can be really healthy and it can be really healing for your parents. And it sounds like a lot of your mom's anxiety is also born out of that same kind of culture that puts so much emphasis on, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to be all the time. And it, it really lacks grace. And so I would address that theology and just help them to see that that doesn't exist everywhere. And so yeah. finally, 
this third point, and then I'll, I'll let you, uh, you know, interject again. But the third point I would say is that you also need to show him that the church is, is very important. Like that there's no such thing in the New Testament Christianity as a Christian who is not attached to the body of Christ. And I would put it this way, when that Jesus uh, established the church, he is the head of the church. He calls the church his bride. In Revelation chapter one, we see where is Jesus at? He is amongst the churches. You know, he he sends his spirit to plant churches, right? Like to and you know, to multiply the believers who are then forming churches. So Jesus starts a church planting movement in the book of Acts and then fuels that movement. And he absolutely cares about church. He loves the church. And if we are to love him and be conformed to his image, then we also must love the church, even with its flaws. And um, and I would just really encourage your dad to, to give it a, dad and mom too, you know, to give it a second chance and really to just, find a really healthy grace-centered church. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I guess part of the reason why I'm frustrated and maybe I need to work on some forgiveness with this is that, um, like I have three adult siblings now as well and they all have kids and I have kids and so it's like, I don't know, Mm. between us there's probably like 10 grandkids for them. And I just see that, like, you know, all my nieces and nephews then, you know, by proxy are not involved in the church at all. And um, and so I just feel like, I guess, frustrated because I feel like my dad's supposed to be, and maybe I'm wrong, but like maybe like the patriarch or like still the spiritual leader of our overall family in a sense. And just yeah, like they're, they're think, not getting that example. I think that, your feeling there is correct and appropriate. Like, I think that it's your right to feel that way, to feel frustrated because that I do believe you're right. I do believe that's your dad's role. And I think that you're probably right that your family members are affected by it. You know, one of uh, the statistics that's really well known is what happens when father figures and patriarchs go to church as compared to the kids or as even compared to moms. Now I want, you know, kids to, be influencing their families and I want moms and moms to be influencing their family but the fact is that statistically what they show is that when dads and and men step up and lead their families everybody wins and um and it's just you know it's a huge number it's something like 90% like if dad goes to church it's going to be very likely that the kids also follow suit and so uh yeah Peter, I, I sympathize with that feeling, and I just want to pray for you and your dad in this conversation, and that you wouldn't let your frustration get in the way, but that, you know, you would let it be healthy. I think that Jesus had frustrations with people, you know what I mean? But he was able to to deal with them in a healthy way, and so that's the goal. Well, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Peter and his desire to see his family members be attached to the body of Christ, where they can grow, where they can serve, where they can uh, help others to to hear about you and be part of your mission. Lord, I, I pray for his family that you would there would be some kind of breakthrough, that whatever's holding them back, whether it's past pain or just hesitance or anxiety, Lord, that you would overcome those things and that we'd be able to see them attached to the body of Christ again and thriving, doing well. Lord, we pray for healing for the places where they've been hurt. We pray for those who have experienced um, 
bad theology that has hurt them, like as, as we read, as we hear in this situation. So, Lord, I just pray that you would bless Peter, help him to to not let his frustrations get in the way of the conversation he needs to have, but but to truly have that he would truly be led by you in your spirit as he has those conversations. And Lord, that there would be a breakthrough. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor right. Nick. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life or with your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you, talk with you, and pray for you. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Rory in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Rory. I uh, had a quick question. Um, I was wondering how Jesus uh, existed before his in- incarnation. You know, um, um, how if he existed as a spirit. I know, like in uh, in Revelation, I think it, it's one twelve or something. He uh, he appeared to John, and, and you know, John described him, you know. As, as a man clothed in linen and stuff. And then, again, in, like, Jack Daniel chapter 10, it kind of describes that same man. But um, what I was wondering is, is like, um, who, who appeared to Moses, if he appeared to Moses? And then way back, like, in Exodus 6, I think it is, 6, uh, 2, and maybe 3, it says something about... Um, I appeared to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. So I was wondering if that was Jesus that appeared to to all these people, or how he appeared to them, like like in a fit. Because when it says he had, he appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, I know that like three men appeared to Abraham. And and were they like physical men? Were they spirits? Were they angels? Um, I was just kind of wondering about that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So several topics you touched on there. Let's uh, let's go through those. Now I'll just address the easy one first. The transfiguration one, where you're talking about how Jesus appeared with um, Moses and Elijah. So that uh-huh. would not. I I believe. Yeah. I believe they were spirits. Um, but here's the thing to your other question. As far as Jesus' pre-existence, that's what this is called. So here's what the Bible right. teaches. It teaches, you know, go to like John chapter 1, where it says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through him all things were created. There's nothing that's created that wasn't created by him. Okay, so, and then it says that the Word was Jesus. So it is saying that in the beginning uh, was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus and he has existed before all time. He has no beginning and no end. He is God. And so when we see see examples throughout the Bible, like in the Old Testament, of God appearing to people, we take that in context with the other verses in the Bible that tell us that no one has ever seen God, but that Jesus Christ has made him known. In other words, it says also of Jesus that he is the image of, of the invisible God. And so what that all means to us is that Jesus, the Son, is God incarnate. 
And so, yes, I, I would agree that when people saw God in the Old Testament, they were not seeing the Father, they were seeing the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who then became incarnate at the, and, and was named Jesus during his time on earth and, and continues right. to have that name. Yeah, yeah. So like, so like in Exodus six, when when uh, when it says he appeared to Abraham, and and uh, there was I think two angels with him, because um, it even says that they sat down and ate, you know, with Abraham. Yeah, I think you're thinking Sarah of Genesis. A meal for him. Genesis chapter eighteen is what you're thinking of. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in that but, case, yes, I do believe that all of these instances of what do we call theophanies, which are appearances of God in the Old Testament, I do believe that those are actually Christophanies, which means they're appearances of Christ before he was incarnate as Jesus. Right. So so would he be back then like in a in a physical form or a spiritual form, or how would that be? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I do think that that was a physical form. I guess I don't know enough about it to say conclusively, but I do believe yeah. that it was a physical form. Yeah, because it, it, I, I, I'm thinking it had to be a physical form because it says that, that he even sat down with, with uh, Abraham and, and, uh, and, and he, you know, Abraham yes. told, told Sarah to prepare a meal for him and stuff and, and stuff like that. And then, uh, uh, he told uh, Abe or Sarah that she was going to have a child, you know, and 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 Sarah giggled and stuff like that. So, so Abraham had to physically see somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So I do agree with you, and I also think you know another good example of that is that later on in the book of Genesis we see that Jacob wrestles with God and that he is injured, right? And right, I don't yes, think yes. you're going to get injured by wrestling with a uh, with a a person who doesn't have a physical body. So, right. yeah. So, hey, Rory, thanks for your question. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. All right. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to December in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, December. Hey, Pastor. How's it going? Going great. What's up? Um, so I had a quick question. Um, so <clears throat> I know that us believers in Jesus Christ um, it's great to have fellowship uh, with other believers and just to refresh and stuff. Um, but for, I mean, we live in the real world. I mean, we live in the world uh, through work or through school or something. And what if um, we come across someone um, who you want to be friends with, but they're not believers and they're non-toxic to you? I mean, is it okay to be friends with them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you bring up a great question. I just want to give you a heads up. In one minute time, we have to go to our break. And so okay. if we don't answer the question fully, I'll address it on the other side, or maybe I'll just let you go, and I'll just uh, talk about it more when we come back from the break. But just mm -hmm. a heads up about that. Uh, so short answer is yes, I do think that you should have friends who are not Christians. But here's the, here's the thing. 
all of your relationships with people who are not Christians are going to have to, they can only go so far, right? And you, you need to have appropriate boundaries with them. And that also mm -hmm. depends on the type of relationship it is. So, for example, if it's with somebody of the opposite sex who's not a Christian, the Bible makes it very clear that there has to be some clear boundaries, right? That we shouldn't be unequally yoked with that person in the sense of, you know, you probably don't want to marry a person clearly who is, who is not, doesn't share your faith, your ultimate, you know, fundamental beliefs. Uh, and that because that's going to, you know, that picture of a yoke, it's, it's something that they would put on the backs of oxen and they would pull together in the same direction, pulling a plow. And if you're not uh, pulling in the same direction and not going the same way, then you can't be yoked together. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. You bring up a really great point, but we're going to go to break right now. Thanks. You've okay. been listening to Calvary Live and the number to call 303-690-3000. We'll be back right after this break in two minutes time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Well, good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. Hey, right before we go back to our caller, I just want to take the opportunity to uh, invite you this coming Sunday to the church that I pastor, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. If you're in Longmont or the surrounding area, or if you have friends or family who are, we'd love for you to come and uh, and join us this coming Sunday. This Sunday is a special one. We're having Pastor Ed Taylor from Calvary Aurora come, and he'll be teaching at Whitefields. We'd love to have you 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And right in downtown Longmont, one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, 700 Longs Peak Avenue. You can get directions and a lot of other good information on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go back to our caller who we were talking to right before the break. Her name was December. Hey, December, welcome back to the show. And um, you were asking about, you know, Christians having friends who are not Christians. And so what, yes. what I had said to you before is that, uh, on the one hand, I believe that we should absolutely have friends who are not Christians, but I say that with, there has to be a caveat to that, that and that is that there has to be boundaries. So in all of our relationships, there are boundaries, right? But, and, and that applies um, to who, whatever kind of relationship we have. Every relationship has certain boundaries, and we need to be just conscious of which boundaries we need to have with friends who are not Christians. And I would say, uh, in addition to what I said before this, I just want to add one thing, or one way that I've always put it. You know, you could see that in the Bible, right? Jesus was hanging out with a lot of people who fell into the category of what they called that time sinners and tax collectors, right? The tax collectors were obviously actual tax collectors. The sinners was like a general term they used for anybody who was considered, you know, immoral. Mm -hmm. And those people absolutely probably deserved those things. Uh, that that title they probably did you know they were talking about people who are prostitutes thieves these kind of things but here's mm -hmm. the thing Jesus hung out with those people he ate with them which means that he wasn't shy about associating with them but here's the thing Jesus uh, affected them and they didn't affect him negatively so Jesus affected them towards God and 
they he didn't allow them to affect him away from God. And I think it's just really important that we be wise enough about our own strengths and weaknesses, our own tendencies, right? Because some people are really mm-hmm. inclined to be affected by the people that they spend time with. Other people can hang out with lots of different people and still remain strong in their convictions and beliefs. And so mm-hmm. I just want you to use wisdom because I don't know you well enough to tell you, you know, where those boundaries yeah. need to be. But I want you to be really honest with yourself and, and realize that, um, you know, what kind of person are you? I, I often use this terminology, right? Like, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Like a thermostat changes the temperature in the room, but a thermometer oh. just takes on the temperature of the room. Got it. And if, if you know that you have a tendency to be more of a thermometer than a thermostat, then I think that you can, then I think that you can um, just... Just say, hey, I, I can be friends, but but here's the clear point to where it can go. It can only go this far. All right, awesome. That's good news. That totally um, answers my question whether I should be friends or not with this. <clears throat> um, excuse me, this girl I just met in class because I started school again. And, and we click very well, and she seems to be, you know, a great person and, you know, it is in my heart that, you know, I want everyone to know about Jesus, but at the same time, it's like you just said, we should have those boundaries just for our own um, uh, safety with our relationship with God. So, Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. God Great. bless you. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. And just one last thought on that last call with December is that I think as Christians, it is important that we have relationships with people outside of the church. I think that we can easily fall into this thing where we no longer know anybody who's not a Christian. It's really hard to be salt and light to the world if you have nobody to be salt and light towards, right? Like if you have no relationships in which you can actually influence people towards Jesus. So it's one of those things that we want to walk with wisdom and just uh, have our eyes open. Number to call, 303-690, sorry, this 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. We have a ton of text messages, so while we're waiting for more calls to come in, let's go over to our text line. We have one that says, well, let me get back to this one. This person says, uh, how long should you date someone until you get engaged? And also, please pray for me, my problem with overeating excessively. And then a follow-up question to that, and why is overeating a sin? Okay, so two questions there. Uh, One about dating. Uh, As far as how long you should date, here's my advice. And really, there's nothing, uh, you know, no set time in the Bible that says uh, you should date for this long. I mean, actually, dating was done completely differently in biblical times. Um, But I think we can discern some wisdom from the Bible, and I'll give you my opinion on this. As for dating, I don't think there's a set amount of time 
But I would recommend that people, that you get involved with a church family, the two of you who are, who are in a relationship together, get involved with a church family, uh, get involved in a Bible study or a ministry together where people can get to know you and you can get to know people. You can interact with people as a couple and doing things uh, around the Bible and in the church and with the Lord. Do those things together as a couple and let people get to know you and build relationships with people who can speak into your life. Also, I would say um, I have found more problems with couples who rushed into marriage than for those who took their time. Uh, so that would be another advice. I would not advise towards rushing into marriage. But, you know, Paul does say if, if you cannot, you know, if you're burning with passion, it's better for you to get married. So you got to balance those two. Also, I, I guess I wouldn't also recommend dating for more than one year before engagement. Um, so, you know, I sometimes meet couples who date for really long periods of time. I just think that's very difficult. Um, and I think that you're straining your relationship by doing that, especially because the purpose of dating must be always to move towards uh, seeing if you're compatible and if you're going to be married. And if you haven't been able to determine that after a year, then I, I think, you know, maybe you're not going to be compatible and, and you're not going to get married. And if you've been dating for a year, then why not get engaged? So that, that's my two cents without knowing more about your situation. The second one here, you asked about overeating. What's the problem? Why is overeating a sin? The Bible actually puts overeating in a category of, uh, it calls it gluttony. And here's the problem with it. It's that it is related to a physical appetite that is out of control. And so our indulgences, right, indulging in, in our desires, our flesh, whatever, they can often transform into bondage. And, and sometimes uh, they, that can happen with people who overeat, where you find yourself no longer free in the sense that you're no longer able to do things that you did before. Um, you know, it can hurt your health. It can prevent you from living life the way that God intended it to be lived because of, of overeating. In other words, uh, when God tells us when he prohibits gluttony or prohibits overeating, it comes from a God who loves us and wants what is best for us. So I hope that answers your question and God bless you. Thank you for calling or for texting. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Taking your calls and texts on the air today, let's go to Tom in Maryland. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the program. Tom, are you there? Okay, Tom. I can see that Tom had a, a prayer request for his daughter going through a divorce and a custody battle. So I'm going to pray for Tom, and then we'll move on to our next caller. Heavenly Father, I pray for Tom and his daughter and this divorce. It's just so, I, I know that it's got to be so hard for everybody involved, especially it sounds like if there's a custody battle, there are kids. Lord, I pray that you'd be with those kids, that you would be with them, that you would give them stability and a sense of security as they go through this very difficult time and their family breaking apart. I pray that the parents would behave in a very civil and respectful way towards each other. And, and Lord, we just pray for healing in the hearts of the people involved. Lord, we just pray that you would watch over them, be with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Joshua, also in Maryland. Hi, Joshua. Welcome to the program. Hello, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Yeah, so I just had a question. Um, it, it seems like in, in modern Christianity nowadays, it's, it's popular to, you know, hold to the view of once saved, always saved, or uh, eternal security, as some might call it. And I understand it's somewhat of uh, a sacred cow, and, you know, a, a lot of us don't like talking about it. But in my studies, at least, you know, I always held to once saved, always saved, but 
come to the contrary conclusion. Um, what do you make of that and the warnings in Hebrews and, you know, Paul persevering and, um, and all of that? Yeah, so I just taught through Hebrews. Um, see, I started about a year ago and then I finished in the spring. So I did talk about the two really big passages in Hebrews that deal with that. So those are found. I'm just pulling this up right now. One's found in Hebrews chapter six. 10 and one's found in Hebrews okay, chapter yeah. 6. So there's two big yeah. passages. And um, here's the thing. I think that those have to be taken in context of who he's talking to, first of all. And here's the other thing. So let's deal with that first, and then I'll get to the other thing. The context of who he's talking to, these are people who at one time professed faith in Christ, but now because of cultural pressure from the Jewish community, which they were part of, they are considering backing away from that and going back into Judaism and giving up on Jesus. Or maybe they'll be secret Christians or, you know, they're backing away though. And the writer is writing them to give them a very stern warning to say, look, if you leave Jesus, there is no salvation apart from him. None. Zero. Like you are not going to be saved if you leave. Now that gets to the question, um, which is this, were those people ever actually saved or are they losing their salvation? Right. That is the issue that, that is in play here. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that that's the boogeyman that I think is brought up in that I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that we are ever losing our salvation because we see that you know we're in God's hand and nobody can snatch him, uh, us out of his hand but it doesn't necessarily therefore follow that we cannot leave uh, willingly or apostatize as it, of uh, those in Hebrews right and, so and, here's here's and an example the, uh, of the way I'll put one it. more quick thing um, the uh, passage of the the soils, and you know that, and to me, is indicative of also letting the worries of the world uh, thwart your faith. Yeah. Also, so. so when it comes to the soil, I think that's a different issue. I think that's a question of, well, maybe it's not a different issue. Maybe it is the same one. It, it gets this issue of, do you, are you saved, and then you're not saved. And I get your point that we don't lose it. Like, hey, I lost my keys, but Before we can it, be apostate. Be yeah, yeah, so that is the big question. And on that level, I think I do agree with you that uh, you can obviously apostatize. So let's take the Noah's Ark as an example of Jesus, right? The Bible uh, gives us this picture of Noah. There's this flood. The judgment of God comes on the earth, but God saves Noah. And it says that God shuts the door and Noah is in the ark. The ark is like a picture of Jesus. As long as you're in Christ, you are saved from the judgment of God that will come on those who are not in Christ. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. the question is, as long as Noah is in the boat, he's saved. Can Noah theoretically jump out the window on the upper level of the ark right. and just right. be like, I'm going to basically commit suicide and jump into the flood? I think the answer to that is yes. But again, it still comes back to that question of, well, was Noah ever really saved? And and so I actually don't like to use this phrase. Um, there, there's two two you know common phrases so one is losing your salvation and the other one is once saved always saved and here i'll tell you why i yeah. don't like either of these terms on the one hand losing your salvation as we've already discussed implies something that happens passively on accident like i lost my keys or i right. you know lost my kid in the grocery store i didn't want to but oops i did it again 
right? Yeah, and apostasy can never be done by accident. Like, it's not something that, like, oh, I was driving and I, I uh, said a bad word and I, you know, I lost my salvation. It, it, right. You would know it. So, yeah. Okay. So, on the other hand, the idea of, um, oh, sorry, <laughs> losing my train of thought. So, what was the other, the other side of that was a once saved, always once saved. saved. Here's why I don't like that phrase is because what it implies is that all you do is you just tick a box and uh, and then you're good, right? Like you punch your ticket and you're good. Here's why I, I think this is important. Because salvation is something which is talked about as a um, yep. as a comprehensive thing, meaning this. It takes your past, your present, and your future. So you have been saved. In, it talks, the Bible talks about it in past terms. You have been saved or you were saved. And then it also talks about in present terms, you are being saved. And it also talks about in future terms, you one day, your salvation will be complete and full. And so the point here is this, is that if you remain in Christ, you are saved. Now, again, it gets back to a little bit of semantics. And that is this, if you are truly saved, won't you remain in Christ? I actually believe that yes. So I would put it this way. If you are truly saved, then you will always be saved. Um, I believe that, yeah, yeah, if you want to apostatize, I think that you can. The question, will a true believer ever do something like that? You know, I tend to think that you won't. But um, again, this is one of those things where it's almost like the sovereignty of God thing is that we see things in a linear fashion, kind of like a person standing on the street watching a parade go by. We see each event happen. Yeah at a time. Whereas God sees things from above, kind of like the 30,000 foot view where he can see the entire parade at one time. And so for us, it feels like things are happening um, one time, one at a time, and that, you know, maybe there's no control over it. Whereas I I believe that for God, he sees it very clearly as he knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So can we apostatize? Sovereignty. Yes. uh, That was, that was going to be my first question. And uh, finally, just for clarity, yeah, I, I, you know, I think uh, eternal security, again, for me, would be a more preferable term than once they've always saved. And like you said, I believe it, in eternal security, still believing in Christ, believing in the, the faithful. Oh, Joshua, you're breaking up on me. Um, we're losing you on the line. I'm going to let you go, but thank you for your call and great discussion. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air, let's go to Alan here in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the program. Alan, are you with me? Okay, let's let Alan go, and let's go to TC in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, TC. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Um, I got a question about the mark of Cain. I was wondering if you knew what it was, and and do we still have evidence of that today? Yeah, great question. So, mark of Cain, this is found in Genesis chapter 4. And basically, here's what happens, right? Cain kills his brother Abel, and God declares to Cain, now you are under a curse, you're driven from the ground. Um, And he says, the ground opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And uh, in response, Cain says, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. 
I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And God responded, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, so this he put this sign or this mark on him. And uh, what it seems, it was almost a protection. Um, some some people think this was some kind of scar or some kind of tattoo. Some people think that it was an invisible thing that God kind of put on Cain. Uh, but whatever the mark was, the purpose was actually merciful, right? So it was to protect Cain from being killed by people who would seek vengeance uh, for him being a murderer. So I, I don't think that... Um, that this is something that still exists this day. It seems to me that this was unique to him. Uh, I'm reading right now about this. Um, some people in the past, there has been a history of calling this a uh, reference to him having a dark skin. And uh, that is not biblical. It's actually kind of like a racist historical thing that people did as they said the mark of Cain uh, was on people who have dark skin and that it was a curse. And that is absolutely not the case. I'll just say that straight up. Like, that is not the case. And, um, yeah, it looks like the Mark of Cain was actually a teaching that was used to justify the African slave trade, which is, uh, I think that's terrible. I think that if they would have read this in context, what they would have seen is that just the opposite is true, that this wasn't a curse upon Cain. It was actually a protection of Cain because Cain said, you know, this punishment for what you, what I did to my brother is, is more than I can bear. Please protect me from other people hurting me. And somehow God marked him so that other people couldn't get retribution against him. And so God's mark on Cain was, again, a blessing, a protection, a mercy, not a curse or, or a punishment. Um, his punishment was that he had to go out to the east and that he would struggle to yield crops and he would be a restless wanderer on the earth. So I don't think it exists today, and and uh, this very interesting thing I read about the history of it being an excuse for racism is that's absolutely unbiblical. Oh, I, thank you so much, and that was my my main reason is I, I have a friend who was talking about that that the mark of Cain was dark skin. So I, I I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I had actually never heard that, so I'm I'm in I'm interested to hear that that's actually something that people have taught. I've never heard it before. Yeah. Okay. And that's what he was telling me, so I was just trying to get your take on it. Okay, awesome. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you so All much. Right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, looks like we've got all open lines right now. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go back over to our um, text line and see what texts have come in. One person writes in and says, "Hi, Pastor. I was wondering why are most pastors men?" Well, the reason to that is very simple, and that is that in First Timothy and in Titus, we have some outlines for who can be. Uh, elders or presbyters or overseers, it's all the same word, just uh, different translations of the original Greek word, and uh, and who can be 
an elder and an overseer in the church. And it says very clearly there that the elders must be the husband of one wife. And so that is why. Now, when it talks about deacons, so this is First Timothy chapter 3. And here's, here, I'll just read you what it says. Uh, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or episcopos, this word bishop, um, then he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. And then throughout it, it uses the male pronoun. He must manage his own house well. And then we go down to uh, deacons. And it talks about deacons being the husbands of one wife as well. But deacons, we know also in other places in the Bible, that there are deaconesses. We never read about a female elder in the Bible. Always see, especially here in the New Testament, about male elders. So the word pastor is only used in a few places in the Bible. Really, pastor is a word that describes the action of an overseer. Right? A pastor, literally, it comes from the Greek word pastor, which means shepherd. And the job of a shepherd is to oversee a flock and to lead a flock, right? To feed a flock, like Peter, uh, Jesus said to um, Peter. And so the, a pastor over, uh, you know, shepherds the people, but they are an overseer in the church. And so that's, anyway, this is the reason uh, why most pastors are men is because uh, this is what's told to us in the Bible about the qualifications for being a pastor. So I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, we are five minutes from the end of the show. The number to call with one last call would be 303-690-3000. Let's go to um, some of these other text messages. Let me just take a look at these. So, sorry. <laughs> Finding a good one here. Okay, how can I get a loved one to try for a relationship with the Lord? He believes that just acknowledging the Lord and praying is enough because the Bible is handwritten. Well, that gets into a lot of other questions about what exactly it means to um, be handwritten and what, what exactly this person understands about the Bible. I would encourage this person to actually look into the history of the Bible. What they'll find is that the Bible is not one book. It is actually 66 different books written by roughly 40 different authors over a period of 1,700 years on three continents in three languages. And most of the writers, you know, over 1,700 years, they didn't meet each other. They didn't sit down. It wasn't one person who had a big idea that they're going to write this book to you know, control people or do other things like this. The more we look into the Bible, what we see is that, you know, this book written over 1,700 years, 40 different authors, three different languages, a bunch of people who never met each other, they all wrote their different pieces inspired by God. Then they come together and they form one story that doesn't contradict itself, is absolutely unprecedented and incredible. So look more into the Bible and, and really help that person to see that. Uh, as far as just acknowledging the Lord and praying, Here's what I would say, um, that even the demons do that, right? That's what James says. He says, oh, you believe in God? Uh, he kind of says, you know, if we were put in our terms, he kind of says, whoop-de-doo, uh, not to be condescending or rude. He just says that in that way, like, that's not a big deal. Like, the devil believes that God exists. That doesn't make him a Christian. Like, he's not going to be in heaven. Demons believe that God exists. Demons even believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Right, so, so believing the facts about Jesus 
is not the kind of belief that we're talking about when it says that you, by believing you will have life, which is what John says in the Gospel of John. Um, here's the kind of belief that the Bible talks about that leads to eternal life. It's the word pisteo in Greek, and here's what it means. It means to trust in, to rely on, to cling to, and to adhere to. That's the kind of faith we're talking about that saves you. So just believing that something happened historically is not saving faith. You actually have to trust in it for your own salvation. It means not trusting in anything else, including yourself, but trusting in him for your salvation and your justification. Thank you for that text message. Let's go to one final call, Javier in Millican, Colorado. Hi, Javier. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, we've got two minutes time, so just a heads up on that. But what's up? Uh, I just wanted to ask the question uh, in your thoughts on when he says in the Word, it says, um, by the stripes that he took upon his body that I deserve, I am now healed. A lot of people use that as a reference for for healing and for prayer for healing. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so that comes from Isaiah chapter 53, and it is a passage about Jesus. It's a passage that was written before Jesus came, and the New Testament uses that passage to refer to Jesus as well. It's a beautiful passage which describes what Jesus did for us. Uh, We're within one minute, so I'll make this quick. Here's what that verse means in practice. By his stripes we are healed. Yes. Does it always mean that we will be healed in this life? No. Should we pray and ask for healing? Absolutely. Are we guaranteed it in this life? No, we are not. And so we should pray, and that healing will indeed come. That is a true promise. But sometimes that healing is only going to come when we are see him and in glory, and we will have healed, fully healed, resurrected bodies. You know, like Revelation says, that at that time, when we see him face to face, the new heavens, the new earth, there will be no more sin, no more death, no more pain. No more sickness. It'll all be gone. Things will be made right. And uh, that's the glorious hope we have. Thanks Uh, for the question, Javier. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Tune in every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. for Calvary Live. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.